And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 111 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Sunday, December 27th, 2015. Well, the new year is upon us, content marketers, and we can look forward to a whole new year of memes. This year, did you Netflix and chill? You know what I'm talking about, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Remember that shark during the Super Bowl that seemed to forget the dance moves but grabbed Katy Perry? He was definitely saying Netflix and chill. Or how about that pizza rat in New York City? You could see he was straight out of Brooklyn or straight out of Manhattan, straight out of New Jersey or straight out of anywhere else the straight out of meme hit this year. Straight out of the internet, you got the hotline bling with Drake's fun dance with lightsabers, tennis rackets, and, well, other unmentionable things, which made us all feel a little bit like the confused Travolta, just simply shaking our heads in all kinds of scenes, but maybe not as confused and angry as the dress. Oh, yes, the dress. Is it blue and black or gold and white? For the record, the official answer is ugly. The dress was ugly. So whether it was Beyonce, always on beat, or those llamas that got loose, or Miley, what's good? Except for the confused Travolta, which is my favorite, by the way. It was kind of a lame year for memes. So Joe and I are here to kick it off and hopefully bring you the memes that are going to energize your content marketing. Consider us the Shia LaBeouf of content strategy. Just do it. We'll bring you the harder to find panda than a field of so man, the content marketing news, the deflate gate worthy jokes, the best examples of content strategy, storytelling, and measurable marketing goodness. We got rants that'll make you feel like Miss Columbia at Steve Harvey's Christmas party to raves that is going to make you feel like Shia watching himself in the even Stevens movies. But to do all that and get this new year's party started i need to bring in my friend my colleague my co-host and the godfather time of content marketing mr joe polizzi how are you my friend i'm doing fantastic happy new year my friend happy new year May- did you have a good christmas i actually we did it was uh, it was lovely as robert rose likes to say <laughs> uh, i enjoyed it in its entirety yeah, well, and, here it is. Uh, yes, it's, All right. Uh, it was good. How about yours? Have a good one. I uh, it it was lovely. It was absolutely <laughs> lovely. I we we had a beautiful wonderful dinner where um I got to cook, which I love to do, and we kept it really really quiet. It was just really nice just to hang out. Um and it's been winter like here in Los Angeles. Really? So the cold. Yeah, the cold weather and I know it's not been like that where you live, but the cold weather and the sort of the grayness of the everything has been really Christmas-like. It's been, it's been fun. No, it was interesting because we were over at my parents' house and uh, my youngest got uh, an X-Wing fighter, that an Air Hog X-Wing fighter, so it flies. <laughs> and they're outside playing. It had to be, I don't know, 55 degrees. It was a little yeah. bit wet, but I'm like, ah, gee, unbelievable. I mean, normally it would have been 25 and snowing. So yeah, right. who knows? And by the it's, way, I have to tell you, I saw the big short yesterday. Oh. oh and? Loved it. Loved oh, all right. it. Oh, my all right. God. I can't. I mean, I want to see it again. I got to read the book. It is just one of those movies that, uh, and, and it's just, it, it was sort of, have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yes. Okay. I it did. was sort of directed in that kind of way. They were, they would, they would do outtakes and here and there, but, but better, I thought, and, and more humorous. Um, so highly recommend it. And now I'm going to read right. the book and, and see what okay. that's all about. I so. definitely want to see it. And I saw Star Wars, of course. 
And you loved it, of course. I did love it. I thought it was as, you know, you and I were talking before the show started and, you know, I thought it was as it was perfect. And what I mean by that is it is as good as it could have been, right? I mean, it was as, you know, perfect in the Star Wars sort of, uh, you know, feeling and sort of emotional sort of themes that I think made it as great a way to reboot the series and set up for a new generation as it possibly could have been. And I just, I, I, so I did love it. Yeah. Fastest growing or fastest movie to 1 billion ever. It took them oh, 15, yeah, I'm sure. 15 oh, and days it's gonna be, or something it's gonna, or less. Yeah, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to eclipse everything, I'm sure. It'll be the first to 3 billion. I don't think there's any doubt about it, them making that yeah. at this point. It hit the, the largest Christmas day and the largest... Um, yeah, largest Christmas Day and a couple other records. Doesn't matter. They're yeah. beating every, every all the records, and yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing. They're gonna have that Titanic like stay. Where you remember when Titanic came out and they were just doing, you know, twenty million, thirty million a week for like ten weeks. Like that's right. they were consistently just number one, number one. I think that's gonna happen with with Star Wars as well. So I think it is too, and it's gonna be all the people going back to see it a second and a third and a fourth time. And then put this in perspective. Of course, we used. Uh, Star Wars as a content marketing example. Just think about. Let's say they do three billion dollars, and that will be about half of what they do in merchandising sales. Yeah, it's crazy. It's gonna <laughs> so, make it's gonna it's gonna make Disney's year for sure. I mean, it's gonna make. You but know, still, only only about two to three percent of their total revenue is gonna come from Star. That's how big Disney is. That's scary. well. That's how big Disney. That's how big Disney is. But that's but any one property that makes up two to three percent of their total oh, yeah. revenue it's, is incredibly important oh i i yeah. would think so i mean but the, the yeah. bigger thing is is it's not just a one-time thing they're gonna have no no here, it's good they that's the gift wars. that keeps on giving yeah, oh they, my but gosh, they have yeah. star wars kingdom or star wars world yeah star wars land is now gonna land. Yeah, exactly yeah, it's gonna if you do, if you're sick of star wars just wait <laughs> it's gonna get really bad <laughs> it's everywhere get, you turn it's gonna get all funky up in here oh. now do we have any did we did we have a slow news well, week you know here's the thing it, it was christmas week but it was not a slow news Ooh. week and we have a bunch of stories to cover um we sort of talked in the pre-show about doing this story right up front because we wanted to just cover it briefly it was sent to us by a number of folks um, that uh, that sort of gave us a heads up on it, but it that it basically Forbes, I guess, and um, you know this the, the, this article has run a couple of different places, but I guess Forbes has decided to play hardball with visitors who are using ad blocking software, much like we talked about last week with another publisher, as they say, polite hardball, but hardball nonetheless. Forbes Media has been begun denying access to some people who use ad blockers active on their devices, presenting them with a notice asking them to turn off the ad blocking program in order to see the requested content. Users who agree to turn off their ad blocking software are then recorded with as the article quotes, an ad light experience, no ads featuring data intensive autoplay, video or animation in the hopes that they may be persuaded to remove Forbes from their personal list of ad blocked sites. So what say you? Is this, um, this seems a little like giving in to me, but it seems that there's a, there's a weirdness to this that's not with the other ones. Well, well, first of all, isn't Forbes, aren't they saying that, okay, if you don't like our user experience, we're going to force it on you. Not as badly as it is right, right well, now, exactly. but we're still going to force it on you because if we don't, our business model is in the crapper. Isn't that what, pretty much what they're saying? So, so we're going to right. We're what they're saying is way. basically, yeah, we can't stop you from using ad blockers, but if you'll agree not to, 
will actually remove some of the less or more crappy parts of our website. This is. It seems almost like you know AOL still sending out CDs, right? You know <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, there's right. still people that use them somewhere <laughs> that still right. have CD players and still use dial-up. But hey, it's going away. But what do we do to keep that going as long as we possibly can? Isn't that it's, isn't that isn't it, that what it feels like a little bit? I don't it, know. It does feel like it, it feels like them sort of. You know, it's sort of. It feels like them recognizing certainly that the you know as they. Uh, you know, term it the you know data intensive autoplay video. Or I mean, first of all, I hate. I mean, look. For, one thing is for sure: if you go out and do so, I'll tell you. Um, there was probably never a more miserable experience than I had doing the research for the memes intro this show. I mean, all the sites that I would that you know. So go Google the best 2015 oh, memes. God. No, I'm not. And so, and to. you'll get all sorts of wonderful, you know, Vulture and yeah. of course HuffPo and of course BuzzFeed and you know every 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 website that has a carousel or a click through, you know, sort of gallery. Which I'm just you know, and it's I mean, you talk about sort of the the quintessential horrible horrible web experience these days because of the way that ads are put onto pages it, it that's it so forbes is ostensibly saying oh please 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 don't use ad blockers and we'll take away all that horrible ad experience if you do which is basically training their audience to just use ad blockers <laughs> i would imagine i and maybe they're doing this and they're a smart company i'm i'm assuming that they've got people that are saying look in two years there's not going to be any more display. It's gone. That's what we're going to get to. We'll see it on a on a we'll see it on a case by case basis. But as a business model in and of itself, display ads are going to be done. They right. might already be done, but yet we're still doing them. Publishers in general are doing them. So I would rather see them as some skunkworks operation saying, "Look, this is this is our our gateway period." We buffer period. We don't exactly know what the business model is going to be, but on the way out, we're going to have a whole new site. It's going to look like this. There's going to be no display, great user experience. But until we get to that point, this is this is our buffer period. I don't know if that's the case. I'm hoping. I just that don't. Is. Here's what I don't understand. So, because you, it's easy enough to sniff out the ad blockers. Why not give them an entirely different experience? Why not? Te- start testing some really oh, interesting things with native for those people who come to your website with you know with ad blockers on in other words redirect them to an entirely different experience that is driven by native advertising or driven by you know some other business model and yes takes all the ads away but also gives them sponsored content or something well, else that sort of you know because you can do that of course that's a great and, that's a great point what if you see you you know that there's all the people that use ad blocking software also are more apt to buy other things lots of research I don't know what exactly. I don't know what they are but let's say that we know that there's things that they buy you could go out to them and say hey we're gonna do this unique experience just for these ad blocker blocking people. And we know that they, they're more apt to buy your product and service. You want to sponsor that experience? You know how many people would line up for that? It would be huge, Say right? Because yes. you're talking about somebody who has explicitly identified themselves as a certain kind of audience member, as a, you know, yeah. one who uses ad blockers. Great. 
Now let's start doing, let's understand what that audience cares about and let's give it to them. Let's actually make sure that they get it so that we actually can start to even monetize that, you know, sort to use it in our, in, as our, you know, that's the sort of, is that the, the, the Aikido, the sort of use your opponent's strength against you kind of thing? That's, the, I, anyway, that's what I think they are. Aikido? Is that a, Isn't that Aikido? I thought that was a type of donut. <laughs> that's like... <laughs> I was at Dunkin' Donuts the other day, and I asked for a dozen Aikidos. <laughs> strawberry? Strawberry Aikidos? They've got the, the custard-filled Aikido. All is absolutely right. Let's move along to the next story. <laughs> no, Boy. one more thing on that. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. They should do a PBS. Well, to your point, they should do a PBS has been doing for years. This commercial-free environment is, environment is sponsored by. Exactly. They can test it out to this specific group of exactly. people. Exactly. See if it plays, and that will probably be their future business model. Okay. That's exactly right. On. That's exactly right. <laughs> right after Aikido. All right. I'm going to have, I'm going to start to munch on my Aikido as yes. I give you the next story, which comes to us courtesy of The Drum. And also a nice segue into what we were just talking about with ad blockers. The Association of National Advertisers, the ANA, the Association of National Advertisers, the big, of course, association that um, represents big brand advertisers, says, dun 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 content marketing is this year's word of the year. It won, I guess, there was a competition of some kind, um, over uh, words like programmatic, transparency, storytelling, which were close behind, says the article, but didn't take the number one slot for 2015 marketing word of the year, which is based off of votes casted by nearly 300 of the ANA's marketing members. Marketers were cho- uh, asked, to cho- asked to choose to choose, choose from which also included the following, ad blocking, customer journey, disruption, experiential, Fraud, the Internet of Things, Media Palooza. I, I, who knew? Didn't know yeah, that I was a thing. That. Um, uh, sharing economy and viewability. So, I guess this is good. It seems like a relatively low bar, but you know, this is a good thing. I guess, right? Well, I mean, my first question is: when I saw this, I was like, "It's two words." <laughs> <laughs> And now I'm looking at the 13 different words that were up for it. Ad blocking, customer journey. There's only like three words in here. The rest of them are phrases. Yeah, okay. Well, the, so anyway. Wah, 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 wah. Nitpicky wah, man. Wah, right. wah. I don't know. That's what I thought. Uh, that My question to you is, has content marketing jumped the shark? If we have the, the ANA, which we're good partners with the ANA. We love them, but... Is this is this a concern at all, or, or or I mean, to us, content marketing was the the phrase of the year for the last. No, here's why I'm excited about it. Here's here's why okay. I'm excited about it because one of the I think one of the things that we would both agree that has been a real challenge has been sort of getting content marketing into the minds of really business to consumer focused agencies, the Madison Avenue crowd, right? As we would think of, this is where the ANA's bread and butter is. Um, it is, you know, when you look at the ANA and their purchase of the, or merger with, or whatever you look at it as the BMA, for a long time, business to business marketing has really sort of been content marketing's probably biggest cheerleader that sort of those, you know, tech companies and uh, manufacturers, healthcare, financial services, you know, sort of the early adopters of content marketing have largely been on the B2B uh, side of things and the more B2C Madison Avenue uh, consumer packaged goods focused on, you know, big consumer campaigns have really latched onto this idea of branded content. So to me, the fact that not only was branded content not in the mix here, 
or at least oh, not yes. in the top, you know, not in the top consideration. The fact that content marketing won out over things like programmatic and storytelling and those sorts of things, I think is a big, I think is a big deal. It's a bigger deal, I think, than, than, um, uh, the, you know, I mean, it's a silly little thing, obviously, but, no. but, but it's, but I think it's a pretty big deal that it's no, now I mean, part of the no, zeitgeist right. of it. Well, I think we seeing this and seeing Ad Age, uh, really the magazine for ANA marketers. I, I guess I would say they've really picked more up on content marketing as a practice area. Uh, obviously, it's funny in this article from the Drum, they're talking about shifting budgets. Yeah, yeah yes, exactly. We are absolutely seeing budgets move, but you've got to remember. It's really, really hard to move these big advertising budgets. Like, you could buy, you know how much content marketing, like people and services you could buy with a big ad budget? Like, they don't even, they don't, there's just not even enough to buy. You could, you'd have to buy multiple media companies with some of these billion dollar it's, yeah, ad it's, budgets. So you're going, you're still going to, it's almost like, don't you think it's more like how mobile advertising and mobile uh, marketing spend has just, Year over year, it just keeps getting bigger. That's the same thing that's going to happen with content marketing. It's just it's not going to be. This well, that's huge a really good point. Yeah, when you're Titanic, ship. right? Exactly. When you're at zero and you go to ten or fifteen, it's a huge tectonic shift for the that particular space. And then when you go from fifteen to twenty-five, it's another huge tectonic shift. And then when you go from twenty-five to twenty-six, you know when it starts when the tactic itself, or when the strategy itself starts to the growth of it, the innovation starts to wear off, and it starts to become just part of the what you're doing. You know, then it then it becomes just you know either a growth thing or you know it's not news. In other words, that you know it's like digital was back in. You know, you look at it back in sort of the mid 2000s when digital was going through, you know, double digit gains every single year to traditional advertising and taking money out of radio and taking money out of print and 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 that money was getting moved. And that was the big, you know, that was the big thing. And now all of a sudden the digital, the growth has certainly, you know, is, has slowed percentage wise, but maybe not dollar wise in terms of how much it's taking away from, from other, you know, from other elements as it naturally starts to balance out as a, as a marketing mix. I think, I think you're right. You hit it when in your intro, I think what you're, what we're saying is this, all brands, all big brands now have a take on the approach. Yeah, that's right. It's not just experimental anymore. It's not just a thing. They have some take. They're they're looking at this is how we are approaching the practice area. Uh, they're either going to go all in or they're tinkering with it. But they know that they have they have reasons for why they're doing things instead of just say, "Hey, Bob and, and the blog, go do your thing." Exactly. It's it's so that's where I like this. Is that that people are making decisions about what to do about it in these very very big companies, and so it's it's going to become just part of the overall mix. And I think that's a good thing, now, it, whether it's a, or not they're successful or not. Well, that's, and, and that's it. I mean, you know, we, 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 you know, we've, we've kvetched a number of times on this show and we, and, you know, privately we, you know, we, 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 we do the same and, and publicly we, you know, by ourselves, we do the same about, you know, people proclaiming the death of content marketing or the fact that it was never alive or, you know, or, you know, all of these sort of, this, the death of or the struggle of or how content marketing has jumped the shark or whatever it is and what it's really becoming. What, you know, 
what is indicative of all of the things that we're seeing, the people who send us emails about this, what we see in the press about this, what the people are blogging about about this, is not that the practice has been tried and failed. It's that it's, it's, it's been tried and perhaps failed. But what's happening is, is that businesses are, just to your point, are actually coming to some sort of position on it, one way or the other. And so they're saying, look, this is something we need to get right. I, you know, I, I'll tell you the last seven engagements I've had with Fortune 500 companies in our, in our advisory practice have not been, what is this thing called content marketing and what do we do about it? It has been, we have been trying to get a content marketing operation going in our business and we're failing at it. We're failing getting it going. How do we actually do this right, correctly? And that's that's the change. That's the difference. Now, again, to your point, whether they'll be successful with it is an entirely different question. The, but the the question has changed from what is it and why, how and what, and 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 it is more termed into okay, we get it. Let's see if it's going to be productive for us as part of our marketing mix, and let's do it correctly. Well, I think that you're exactly right. The difference is if you started this. Let's say you started dabbling in, in what, whatever they thought content marketing was in 2007, 2008. You could be successful dabbling. You could yeah. see things. You could see leads come in. You could see web traffic come in. You can't dabble in it anymore. You, you have to make a commitment to it. That's right. If you dabble in it, you absolutely will fail. That's there's, right. There's no experimentation. Or you have to just make a decision. We are going to do this. We are going to resource it. We are going to spend X amount of, of money to do it. And we're going to expect these kind of goals and we're going to follow it through. Yep. That's and if you exactly don't, right. you're not going to be successful. So yep. there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that. Uh, that's that. That. That's that. 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 That's, that. That's, that's, that's that. All right. Is that the show? Is no, it, no, of course not. <laughs> we have a bit. So one of the bigger news items that came out this week. Oh, this was big. This, this is fascinating. That first of all, that this came out this last week, which just and we'll get to in just a second. But also the number of people who sent this to us. I mean, we would give hat tips out, but we'd be giving hat tips out for the remainder of the show. Just that I got at least ten emails on this yeah, article, and I. I know you got the same in tweets and Facebook posts and the whole thing. And, the, and it comes to us, we'll, the, the article we'll actually link to comes from AdAge. Um, it is that the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has released native advertising guidelines. And the article starts off by asking, is this the year, meaning 2016, is this the year for native ad cases? The Federal Trade Commission on Tuesday, which would be last Tuesday now, released an enforcement policy statement and a business guidance spelling out its rules for native ads more explicitly than ever before. Uh, quoting uh, now, in evaluating whether an ads format is misleading, said the commission, uh, we'll scrutinize the entire ad, examining such factors as its overall appearance, the similarity of its written, spoken, or visual style to non-advertising content offered on a publisher's site, and the degree to which it is distinguishable from other content, says the policy statement statement. When labels such as, quote, advertisement are necessary, they need to be prominent upon first contact with consumers according to the statement. For example, disclosures that are sub uh, subsequently inform consumers of natively formatted ads' commercial nature after they have clicked on it and arrived in another page will not cure any misleading blah, 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 blah. Basically, it goes on to say, if it looks like an ad and it smells like an ad and I'll know it if I see it, then it's going to be bad and I can make a case against it. What, what say you, Joe Polizzi? Is this meaningful? Is this not meaningful? Or is this who cares? Or whatever. I, you know, I, I read this a couple times just so I could, 
have a grip on what the FTC is trying to do. And what I've come <laughs> or to not is, do. is they, they don't know what to do. Right. That's because exactly you right. can enforce this in a print publication because it's a linear path. It's you know you're reading a publication, you're reading the magazine, you see an ad, you flip the page, you can say it can say sponsored content above every page. With something digitally, first of all, you can get to that sponsored piece of content from anywhere, from Twitter, from Facebook, from LinkedIn, whatever. Yep. And as yep. you're scrolling through the piece of sponsored content or native advertising, whatever you call it, you will scroll off of wherever it says that it's an advertisement. At some point, you're not. There's no way to display that unless they just have some kind of warning watermark. symbol around. Yeah, a watermark <laughs> or a warning symbol. That's right. the only way they could really enforce this. And I, I know that they're trying to cons- – I like – I like the idea of them consistently saying, look, if you're going to abide by our guidelines, here's how to do it instead of everyone doing their own thing. That I do like just for some consistency. Does it mean anything? I don't think it means anything right. because I think this is impossible to enforce. Do you agree with that? I, I totally agree with that. I mean, so, I mean, you know, here's here's the thing where they kind of lost me a little bit, which is where they said – you know, will scrutinize the entire ad, examining such factors as its overall appearance, the similarity of its written, spoken, or visual style to non-advertising content offered on a publisher's site. Isn't that the whole point of a, of a native ad is that it matches the written, spoken, That's or right. visual style of the non-advertising content offered? And quite frankly, what I have railed on forever and ever, which is – you know, when I'm if I was going to do a native ad, if I was a marketing strategy guy at a company and I was going to do a native ad, I would actually have it not match the publisher's site, visual style, or written or spoken, other than to understand, you know, how I could get it into that publisher's site, because I want it to stand out. I in other words, I, I want the content to stand out on the publisher site. I don't want it to look or feel like another article just well, I think another that's article where everybody goes wrong because in right. the print environment you actually would you actually don't want it to look like an ad so in, and, in, and, in a digital environment i think you want it to look different exactly and so my 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 i guess my my question to this statement in their policy would be like well which way is better which way, you know, in other words, should I, are, are you saying that the, you'll scrutinize the similarity of the written, spoken, or visual style to non-advertising content in a way that if it matches too closely, it's against the rules? Or if it actually, you know, isn't labeled an ad, but it actually stands out from the rest of the publication because it's so absolutely different? It's The eye you- of the beholder thing, I think, is a really slippery slope for this for this for this basically for this governmental agency to go down to say if it looks like a native ad or it feels like it's not being disclosure enough then we're gonna go against it that's just not gonna hold water well, here here's the thing being a publisher being a media company is not like getting your law degree you don't have to have any credentials to do it <laughs> you don't clearly so, well <laughs> take it from me i'm a publisher i don't know what i'm doing i mean literally right. you don't have to so That's everyone right. so just by that alone everyone that publishes content is a publisher so how do you go how how do you delineate from somebody that's publishing on a corporate blog versus somebody publishing on an ad age? That's right. Like literally you can't do it. You can you can say subjectively they're different. 
But if you just look at how it's being published and the and the requirements for engaging in a piece of content, it's not. So the FTC, and this is where it gets really weird. If the FTC is going to lay down this law, they have to do it. They have to do it so full scale that it would be ridiculous, and everyone would think they're a laughing stock. But they don't know how to do it on a small scale and just say, oh, just these publishers who are trying to make money in these two forms, paid content and advertising, they're the only really ones we're looking at. We're not looking at the other seven business models, even though they're doing it the exact same way. Right. Crazy. This is the one thing I wanted to touch. uh, This was, I think, was funny. When you go read through this article, basically what they're saying is, is that if they are going to raise a case, the case... For, in, historically, they've been putting more weight in, in the print environment. They put that on the advertiser. They would slap the advert and say, oh, that's your fault. You can't do that. That's but right. now it, it, it's absolutely <clears throat> the publisher's fault. Yeah. it's got. It has to be. I mean, you, you could say because a lot of the creative is from an in-house publishing department, but I don't even think that's it. I think it's the fact that if you're allowing it on your site, it's got to be the publisher's rules. It's their rules of engagement. They're setting the whole thing up. So if somebody gets in trouble for this, it's the, it's up to the publisher to manage it because to your point, if you're a marketer, you want to get as much out of it as you can. Exactly. You don't care. I don't care. I don't right. care That's about exactly I don't right. care about their I mean you should want to. You should want to be a nice person, but you're trying to steal their audience. That's your whole goal for doing native in the first place. That's right. That's so. right. And so if I look at that and I go I'm as a as an advertiser that goes that tells me I'm going to push the limits here. I'm going to absolutely push the limits of what I can do and I'm going to, you know, and somebody and and somebody will I'm assuming that you know, what they're going here's my prediction. So not that this is a prediction yeah, show, good. but but here's my prediction. My prediction is that some somebody next year will become a test case on this. Somebody's going to become a test case on this and 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 get called to the mat for this. And it's going to be a big stink about it. Sometime in June or July, you and I will be talking about this on the show. We'll be talking about how XYZ brand did this XYZ um, native ad and XYZ publication. The publication is getting blamed, but should the you know should the advertiser get blamed and blah blah blah. And we'll and it'll be some sort of test case that, quite frankly, won't go very far because. Let's not forget that the FTC can't like levy fines or anything. All it can do is choose to pursue this in the you know in the court systems. And when they do, by the way, for even stuff like that's well worn paths for this agency, like truth and advertising and deceptive you know uh, ads and those sorts of things, the penalties that are that are settled usually the cases are usually settled are minuscule. They're they're tiny and you know they're they're less than even a ten percent part of the ad buy that was usually initially bought. I, yeah, I would imagine if you're the FTC, you just want you just want this to be some fear in the background from from publishers, and you really don't want to have to do anything. That's re- exactly right. They don't want to do that's, anything because, it's, and that's the takeaway here. That's the, the real takeaway here is is that this is a lot of bark and very little bite. Because the first, I agree with you. I think there will be a test case, and it's not going. There's no way to pick the right test case. That's there's right. no, there's not a winning fight here. I don't know how you fight this battle if you're the FTC. I honestly don't know. You'll, you, yeah. you, you can. Ne- Once you go in, they can never stop. They have to go all the way to it, and it's, it's not going to be fun because then no. you're going to get into some pockets that don't want to be messed with. Somebody's going to, somebody's going to get whacked. That's the that's real. That's exactly key. what's going to happen. Yes. 
All right. Well, enough on that. Let's uh, we can move on to our next story. And speaking of pockets getting into that, uh, maybe didn't want to get at them. So this comes to us courtesy of Recode.net. And Medium's Ev Williams, it seems like we've talked about Ev quite a bit over the last few shows. Um, He says, quote, the article quotes uh, saying, it's going to make less and less sense to publish on the web, says Ev Williams, maybe. Um, The article opens up by saying, Ev Williams made it easy for people to say that they want online. But the man who created Blogger, then Twitter, and now Medium says the web is on its way out, at least as a place to publish your thoughts. In an interview with Peter Kafka on the latest episode of the Recode Decode, Medium CEO Ev Williams said the future of media lies in platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and naturally, Medium. As the quote from Williams says, there's going to be a convergence of distribution points for media, and it's going to make less and less sense to publish on the web. Before I like sort of call nonsense on that whole thing, set me straight because I actually didn't listen to the podcast, and I know you did. I, I did. I did listen to it, and I didn't actually. I, I listened to it a couple times, like here and there. I didn't actually hear him say the comment. It's going to make less less sense to publish on the web. I don't even know what that means, actually, because isn't it all publishing on the web? But again, I'm just they're just words. I mean, <laughs> right. it's not like just, they're important yeah. or anything. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> What I heard him say was was what he's trying to sell is if you if you publish on Medium, you will get an it's an easier way to do it. We'll make it super easy for you. It's wonderfully visual. Everyone loves the user experience of it. We've talked about it. It is. It's wonderful. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Yeah. Uh, it's it's you'll get more eyes on it, which yeah. they've shown that you get. I mean, if you do it the right way, and it's it's an it's it's a good piece of content, you will get more people on that platform than let's say that will naturally get to your blog in most cases, and you'll get better interaction. He's trying to build a community around. They actually have a dialogue. So he's saying that it would make more sense to do that, and it. It may make more sense, but it, it's so funny because I, I saw this article pop up in my Facebook feed, and I can't remember if it was Scott Monty or if it was uh, Steve Garfield or whoever pr- posted it, but Robert Scoble commented to this. And, and Robert says, and I'm not going to quote it word for word, but he goes on and saying, I, you know, and for those of you that don't know Robert Scoble, you know, very, very famous, you know, web. I mean, you know more about him than I do. Like he's, yeah. he's been, he's like, isn't he the spokesperson for Rackspace now? He, or, he is. Yes. Theoretically. To... I have, I, I don't hear him yeah. talk about that much anymore. But every, yeah, every online evangelist. Event, every online yeah. event for the past 10 years, Robert Scoble seems like he's in the middle of it with his camera. Yes. Doing You've his probably thing. seen his picture of him in the shower with Google Glass. On oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the old, that, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, so Robert <laughs> says, Hey, I totally agree with Ev on this. I've gotten more speaking gigs, been able to travel all over the world, been able to to do anything I wanted to do. My dreams have been accomplished, and I don't produce a blog anymore. And I look at that, and I'm like, I just wanted to say shame on you, Robert Scoble, for saying something like that because Robert can say that, but Robert has no asset at the end of the day. It's really important. And sure. right now, it's working for it's working for Scoble. That's great. He's getting his gigs. He's getting paid to do it. But when that runs, when that little period runs out, you know what he's got to show for it? Nothing, because he's publishing his content on everyone else's platform and giving up the assets and the rights to those to other people. I'm not saying that's not a, that he shouldn't have part of that. But at the end of the day, he has no asset. 
So I think Here's, this, this is this is what Ev Williams wants people to do because he wants all the assets for himself so that he can monetize Medium and create this into a multi-billion dollar. Shocking. Or, yeah, yeah shocking. multi. Look, yeah. You know what? Yeah. He's trying to be Facebook. And so, of course, he is. This so my 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 last little point on this, and then I want to get your take because I'm dominating a bit, but I'm very passionate about this. I really think that Medium is the Facebook of 2016. I think that oh. brands will run and set up their pages and get their thought leaders and do, and say, "Oh my gosh, we're getting all this traffic!" Like we just covered last engagement. week. Engagement, engagement will be the word. Engagement, yeah. engage, yeah. and then we just covered it with base camps, right? Base yeah. camp moved their blog to Medium. We're already seeing it happen. You're going to see droves and droves because because Ev says we're not going to change a thing. And then lo and behold, the rules are going to change because right now, because right. this is what I really got out of the. Uh, conversation uh, on the podcast, which is, I think there's about 10 minutes stretch that's worth listening to. I don't understand what his business model is going to be. I don't think they know what it is yet. They haven't figured it out. And when they do, changes will come and they're not going to be for the better for people that put their content up there. I'm just, I, that's my, that's my take. I think if I could not agree more, I think that's exactly it. And by the way, so going back to the Scoble thing for just a minute, and I, you know, I've, I know Scoble a very little bit. You know, I, I knew him better a while back when I was in technology more than I'm in today. Um, and um, uh, you know, and I've I've listened to him for years and years and years. And he, by the way, did used to blog for Microsoft. That's how he got his start was blogging for Microsoft as a content marketing idea back in the early 2000s. Just let's not forget that. Yep. he was one of the very first bloggers for Microsoft to build an audience with Microsoft to engage and blah, blah, blah. He went on to sort of become a mini web celebrity and, and, and do shows. And, and, you know, he was on GTV for a little bit and then he wasn't. And then now he's sort of a guest and sort of bon vivant sort of blogger technology guy running around the world and being evangelist guy. Great. Lovely, wonderful, perfect, great business model. He's a celebrity. That's the way celebrities operate. The thing is, when you look at celebrities and what they do, and living in Hollywood, I'll tell you that this is absolutely the truth. Celebrities don't – smart celebrities don't depend that their celebrity is going to last forever. What they do is the smart ones set up production companies. And the reason they set up production companies is that they know that the real money after the, their celebrity fades will be in the creation of content and building – and their and certainly from their perspective, an audience of other networks and other companies that will want to run their content to provide them with an annuity income and something that builds value over time after their celebrity fades. What Robert is making the effort of is, yes, it's great today. Being a celebrity is wonderful today. But when that celebrity fades, and it will fade, what do you have left? And I think you make the point brilliantly where you say, he, he, if, you build your, if you build your home on rented land, you have nothing. You have nothing left. You are counting on your celebrity staying the way it is forever. And, and we, you and I know personally people at a smaller scale that that has happened to where they've been, quite frankly, left with nothing. And, you know, and then the nonsense, you know, with this is you said it well, and I don't need to rehash it. Basically, this is Ev's, you know, this is Ev selling medium, right? This is this is him sort of, you know, pitching the idea because it's not what he's talking about is absolute nonsense. The only thing that I believe- I mean, unless you don't care, right? And if you're a if you're a mommy blogger and the reason you do it is you're passionate about mommy blogging and. What you're trying to do is get your mommy blogger idea out into the world and you have some 
you know, goal to just, you know, as it's, it's a, you, you just want to be sort of internet famous and that's where you want to do it on medium. Great. It's awesome on medium, but understand that that's a transient advantage. Having that audience and that engagement is completely transient. And ultimately you'll either lose the audience or you'll have to position yourself in some other way. Is there any way I'm playing devil's advocate here. Is there any way that that he's right? That this is right? That- sure, sure. If if we believe that the web is going to ultimately aggregate, we talked about this. I don't know, three or four shows ago, where we, you know, basically, if we believe that the internet is going to aggregate around four or five channels. Facebook, Twitter, Medium, you know, it's going to basically become broadcast TV where everybody's going to aggregate around, you know, 95% of the audience is going to aggregate around a handful of channels and that's all it's ever the web that's what the web turns into, then I be, you know, then 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 he's right. Then basically getting real estate on those that's and, right. and an audience, you know, back in the day in two, you know, in the early, let's call it the late '90s, you were, and I, I knew guys who did this, and I actually tried to do it and failed at it. Was you, if what you could do is you could set yourself up a channel on CompuServe, and like one of my really good buddies set up like the sailing channel on CompuServe, and he was the admin of it, and he got paid in a, a, a you know a thing of ad revenue for it, and he was like the publisher of the sailing magazine on CompuServe, and it was a great business for about you know, 40 minutes. And then when the web sort of exploded, you know, it all went to hell. And so if we believe that the web is never going, is going to sort of basically do this massive implosion where it becomes a handful of channels where everybody aggregates, then he's right. But I don't believe that. I just, I cannot believe that the web does that. In anything, it becomes less aggregated. It becomes more fragmented and channels emerge and float up and float down and emerge and disappear and it's going to be very very um amorphous i think and 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 hard to pin down over time i don't think it's going to become less con or 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 more concrete well it's hard to say i mean look at the real estate industry in the year 1900 of the united states it'd be a good way like who knows what it's going to become you have no idea that's, well, that's true. That's, that's where we're at. That's, we're so early into this thing. People, even though the web's been around for a long time now, that's true. Uh, perspective, but anyways. So well, and there you yeah, have it. There you go. There you have it. That's yeah, it. there you have it. So I, we, you know, you know, we don't have. Well, we have a sponsor, but it's but our our sponsor this week is actually quite special. Well, we you know we like to do this on occasion. We wanted January uh, to be uh, a little time where our sponsor was was talking about what we're doing at content marketing institute absolutely we've gotten uh, well we've gotten some constructive feedback from some of our listeners that sometimes we rant so much about other people they have no idea what we actually do so i thought it would be <laughs> appropriate to do a little so so every for the next four weeks we're going to be doing little uh, one one little thing that we're doing at cmi just so everyone's aware and, and this week we're going to talk about content marketing institute university ah oh, something know. i love Content marketing, near and dear to my heart. ContentMarketingUniversity.com. Robert, of course, you run this thing and you're doing a fantastic job at it. And we've been actually – Content Marketing University is sort of a new thing. We're relaunching our idea of the training program. And we've yeah. got actually a very special deal. Now, I know this blog post comes out on Saturday. So the, the people that listen to this and the blog, you're going to miss the deal. But the deal is right now, if you sign up for CMI University at Content Marketing University – Dot com before December 31st, actually you have the whole day of December 31st, you get 
access into CMI University, where we've got over 20 hours of on-demand lessons, including uh, amazing sessions from Andrew Davis, Andy Crestadina, and this guy called Robert Rose. We covered Art of Albi. Exactly. Art of Albi. Uh, we mm-hmm. covered key training topics around planning, audience, story, channels, process, conversations, and measurement. But if you sign up, and by the way, on January 1st, we're closing it down for three months. You can't get in. This is not our, the training platform, but the sign up process. The, the sign up process. Yeah, yeah we're, we'll basically we'll, we'll ha- we're doing it on a on a quarterly schedule. So this is our winter yeah. enrollment period. So if you'd like to get in, you got to sign up at contentmarketinguniversity.com. So you get access to the university. It's kind of like Obamacare. <laughs> you can only sign up in certain times of year. Except our website won't. Go. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have. I have nothing to say to that, actually. You get, Sorry. You get access. Right. I'm just going to continue on. Yeah, you get access you. to CMI University. You get, And with that, you get a bonus. You get 100-plus sessions for free included from Content Marketing World 2015. Unbelievable value. You get, you get some um, our Content Marketing Show, all the classes that we did at Content Marketing Show. That was all on uh, ROI and measurement. They're all included in this package. Uh, that's an additional $1,200 in value that goes along with it. Uh, if you at all in your organization are interested in, in training, ongoing training, you get subscription for the next 12 months. I absolutely do it. We promise you every quarter we update it. That's why we pull it down a little bit. Then we refresh it, put it back in exactly. there. Go ahead, sign up at contentmarketinguniversity.com. Enroll today. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. And uh, if you do, you can blame Robert. <laughs> That's pretty much how we, we roll. But anyways, yes, I'm really Absolutely. excited, and of course, it's really going to be great. I mean, and the way we're rebooting it for you know is is just is 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 really great. And so, putting these enrollment windows in, it makes it more organized. Where the way we're going to refresh the content makes it much more manageable for people. You know that you know obviously can't be there every single day, but can you know dedicate swaths of time for this. So it's it's just going to work a lot better. So if you're watching the the play, two playoff games on New Year's Eve. And the second one ends, enrollment will be over. That's there you which go. Will be, which will be sad. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. It's a weird way All right. Yeah, thing, exactly. All right, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that. And now it is time for your favorite part of the show. Not that we haven't been ranting and raving already, but it is our rants and rave segment of the show where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that – Oh, quite frankly, makes us feel like confused Travolta, or that makes us feel like dropping the mic, like the Pope did in his uh, his his the Beats the Beats meme. Um, and so you're first. You you have taught this old marketing this week, so you go first. I do. So this one is courtesy of my oldest son. Sends me this link, and he he sent it to me, emailed it to me, uh, because he knows that's how I like to get my uh, my YouTube videos via email. <laughs> I feel like I'm an old guy now. Right. Okay. Uh, but he has been asking me every day for the past four days, have you watched it? I said, no, I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it so because I, I think it's going to be a good one for, for PNR. He's like, okay. I finally watched it this morning. And basically, this is a, a video from our friend Matthew Patrick, who spoke at Content Marketing World this year. And he runs a site called Game Theory. And he's got over five, he's a big popular YouTuber. He's got yeah. over 5 million subscribers. And he created a video called Will 2015 Be the End of YouTube Rewind? Are you familiar with YouTube Rewind, uh, Robert? I'm not. I'm so, not. So basically, you for the past, I don't know how many years they've been doing this, 10 years, at the end of the year, they do a YouTube Rewind. It's like of the year in review. 
video, oh, okay. and they get right. together a lot of the YouTube superstars, and they put them in a video. And basically, they take all the memes that you were talking about, and they put them in a six-minute video, and it's, and they re and they redo the memes using the YouTube stars doing it. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I watched it. Like, if you don't follow YouTubers, a lot of it you won't get if you don't follow memes. But it's sure. very, very different. And he talked about the difference between YouTube and Facebook, and how a lot of people are talking about YouTube. It really their competitor in video would be Facebook, and he basically smashes that myth and says it's absolutely not true. So a couple of stats I want to pull out of this video, where he talks about YouTube and YouTube Rewind. First of all. He did a, a survey of his 5 million subscribers. 86% of Matthew Patrick's subscribers, which are basically 12 to, let's say, 20 years in age, 86% only watch TV, uh, only watch video online. I've never, wa- never watched television. Wow. I just think that's interesting, right? That's amazing, yeah. So, And looking at that, that's a really key indicator, depending on who you're targeting out there to see, are you going to use Facebook and are you, or are you going to use YouTube. So a couple of things. If you look at the 14 to 24 age category for Facebook, uh, he says that that's down from from 14 to 24, those two categories, down 59%. The other categories are way up over 50% combined. So basically he's saying that Facebook is aging, and we know this. Uh, but he says YouTube, what's interesting, it's aging but not nearly as fast. From 12 to 24 age bracket, YouTube in 2012, 46% of YouTube's viewership was 12 to 24. 2015, 41%. So hmm. so still, you can see, you have a much older yeah. population on Facebook and much younger one on YouTube. And he was comparing the year. In, so, so Facebook did their rewind version, their year in review. And he was going through it. Basically, Facebook's year in review was a year in the review of news. Like that, everyone. It was oh, just. It was just a news review. YouTube's end of the year review had nothing to do with news. It was all about stuff going on on YouTube, all affecting YouTubers and that whole thing. So, so he goes on and on. That's talking interesting. About, so he's talking about this, and he says, "Look, YouTube's competitor is not Facebook. They are trying to basically. If you were trying to build a community and build, basically, he said, build an audience, you would never, ever, ever choose." Facebook because the uh, the the monetary value the how you how you monetize it is basically built on the post in Facebook one post if it goes viral if it doesn't it's not going to affect your audience at all in one way or another but on YouTube it's much different YouTube you've got to earn it over time so he was talking about the so basically I can go on into details but it was fascinated with he went in detail about the user experience of Facebook versus YouTube he went to Facebook is a very linear uh, linear user experience you can just scroll down you can comment in the you don't have to move off the page at all he says YouTube is branched so basically, you have to move around. You have to really go and get what you want to, and it's set up more like it is on Hulu or Netflix, let's say. And he goes on and on and on. So there's two things I'm going to give you, and then I'm going to close it up, and there's a, there's a point here. YouTube Rewinds video, how many views do you think it got? 66 million. Wow. Facebook's Rewind video, 2.8 million. Wow. Just think about That's that for a second. yeah. Because you know what happened? Because... 
YouTube used their superstars, and every one of them talked about it. Of course. On their show. Yeah, of course. And it's like the ultimate influencer strategy. But this is what I was fascinated by. He goes through all this, and he goes through YouTube's business model and how it works and how they're taking this very young talent, and then they're propping them up, and they're giving them funds, and they're putting them in the YouTube Red, and they're going directly after Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, of course. So what there's what he's saying is is that anybody that comes to you and says so there's two points. One is anybody that says that YouTube is going after Facebook is silly. Totally different audiences, totally different business model mm. all the way all the way along. Um, so that's the that's the one thing. And so and the and the other thing is you know just if you are a brand out there, if you are somebody that's trying to build an audience, you would never do it on Facebook. <laughs> you would all you would do it on. On YouTube, because YouTube <clears throat> gives you more uh, give, gives you more opportunity to get found for the longer that people watch your thing, and that's where we've talked about it many times on the show. the The YouTube Red Payment Program it, they pay you by the amount of video that's watched. Wow! So they are giving, so you are incentivized to create longer video. So that so those people that say because he basically went through a whole segment of this, uh, Matthew Patrick did. He said, the days of the two-minute, 33-minute video on YouTube are over. He said, the average video now on YouTube, or the optimum video on YouTube is 17 minutes long. Yeah. I mean, it's clear YouTube is going after Netflix and Hulu and the long-form entertainment. True. Yeah. True. I guess the point is, is that if you are trying to build an audience, whoever's listening to this right now, you would never look at. He's saying you'd never look at Facebook, regardless of the audience. You would right. almost always look at and YouTube. Facebook video. To be clear, yeah, yeah, Facebook video. Yeah, like and and I think that's where the thing where a lot of people have gotten behind the Facebook mentions. Yeah, and yep, yep. You know, they're doing blogging on that now, and he says that the way that Facebook compensates and the and the algorithm behind it will never pay off for you like it will for YouTube. That's right. So That's right. I just thought that was interesting. That's fascinating. Big, big rave, yeah. big rave for that. If you're at all geeking out about this and you think this is awesome, you should watch the video. We'll put it in the show notes on Saturday. Uh, if you don't care about it, then you can listen to Robert's rave. Oh no, you didn't just go there. <laughs> no, wow. like I'm, I'm like, you just. I'm not saying it's bad. Oh I'm just saying it is. All right. Well, I'm kicking it old school this right. week, um, my friend, um, and. Um, I have a book. So I got a book for Christmas, um, and I'm still in the middle of it, but I just – I had to take the advantage of this week to, to rave about it because I'm just I'm, – I'm loving the book. Um, and so I wanted to uh, – I wanted to rave about it. And the book itself – of course, we'll put a link to the book itself in, in, in the show notes. But the book's title is The Business Romantic. Uh, and the subtitle is Give Everything, Quantify Nothing, and Create Something Greater Than Yourself. And it's by an author by the name of Tim Leberecht. Sorry, mispronounced his name there. I don't even know if I pronounced it correctly correctly there but anyway the book is wonderful it 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 basically starts off on a very different which just makes me love it all the more it starts out on this very different premise which is you know basically in the environment that we live in today which is you know pervasive technology and data driven and analytics and business and roi and everything that wants to quantify every behavior that we have down to quite frankly the idea of the fitbit and you know you know do we have the fitbit for the office and do we you know sort of we're quantifying every single thing we're doing as a means of trying to measure the measurement of the business and our performance within it and that's the key thing is that it's you know not the business but necessarily our place within the business 
this book really makes an interesting case through the use of and and it's very similar or not dissimilar I would say from your book Joe where he uses sort of stories of successful entrepreneurs to sort of make his case here that basically the only way and one of the only ways to be truly successful as a person in business is to start to really meld this idea of what he calls romance and romantic thought in an idea of creating something that is bigger than ourselves or meaning more meaningful. And so he tells all these wonderful stories of, you know, they're like the, you know, and I haven't, again, I haven't finished the book, so I'm not, I'm not all the way done with it. But, you know, there's this Argentinian couple that he talks about who they, he, they're basically revolutionizing what it means to, to have shoelaces. Um, there's this, uh, there's this new startup where, um, the founder basically creates, you know, the, the idea is not about the food, but it's rather about the intimate conversation, uh, sort of spaces that he creates. Um, there's this performance artist that he talks about who offers fake corporate seminars for real professionals and actually the you know that they actually get something out of it but they're not real they're just it's very very funny very witty um really interesting um uh book which is not going to be terribly lots of actionable takeaways but it's a really refreshing look at business and at looking at life and what your place is within the business, and that's been something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, um, really just something very uplifting and wonderful for the holidays. A very quick read. It's not going to take you very long to read this book at all. And I just, I thought it was just really great, and so I thought I'd give it a rave. So um, sounds like a worthy read. I should pick it up. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, I think you'd like it. I think, I'll, I'll, you know... Basically, if you're, you know, one of those things, if you're a person that's really looking to get, you know, um, more out of your business life than just money, if you're looking for deeper meaning and purpose and sort of, you know, if you're one of those people who would post up something on Facebook that says, you know, do the thing you love and the money will follow and all that kind of stuff, this it's this is the kind of book that you'll really enjoy. It's it's one of those things where if you're looking for something more emotional and more um, that gets to the deeper values of life and how it applies to these entrepreneurs and what they're building, I think it's just it's it's a really refreshing read. I'll put it that way. Oh, good. I'll I'll, yeah. uh, I'll pick it up. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. And uh, and I guess I'm doing. Uh, you are this old marketing. marketing this week. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a very brief this old marketing. This is a great example, and I, I hope I say this right. This is from our good friend and listener Igor Bilobrotic well, uh, from you. Poland. Our good friend is at B two B B two B marketing underscore PL. A uh, good friend. Uh, I don't. I don't know how many listeners we have in Poland, but I know he's the leader because he pings <laughs> us all the time. Right. Exactly. Uh, so he sent this one, and you know, you, you and I have been talking and predicting about the idea of more and more brands buying media companies, and we talk about yep. it all the time on the show. And I and he sent this fantastic example. So, Polish electronics retailer, very large Polish electronics retailer called Computronic was created in 1996 and it's you know if you go to the page now uh, they sell all kinds of uh, uh, consumer hardware software that kind of stuff that kind of a site and what Igor sent me here was he sent me a link uh, to an article uh, from the Warsaw Voice here in 2007 Computronic takes over Portal. Very small news section. Computronic, one of the best-known Polish companies dealing with internet sales, a computer producer and distributor, has acquired for 
I can't know. Something million. Uh, ZL.1, 2 million. I don't know. Do they, is currency in letters in Poland? Because that's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> the bed, it did. Oh Anyways, yeah. the bought the benchmark.pl <laughs> technology portal, which has 174,000 hits a month. I think it's funny they say hits. Um, two months ago, uh, Computronic entered the Warsaw Stock Exchange, blah, blah, blah. Big, big successful company, but basically sold or bought benchmark.pl in 2007 and it is an enthusiast pc site it's like pcmag.com oh, interesting interesting and they bought that back almost 10 years ago now so this is not a new thing this is definitely this old marketing especially when it comes to acquiring media sites so here's a company in in poland now still very successful today doing very well from what i can gather they bought purchased many many other companies but part of that overall strategy was buying the platform uh, for communicating with a group of consumers that were interested in in uh, you know PC software and hardware, so it's just interesting to see that uh, this company in Poland did this back in 2007. So thank you, Igor, for the fantastic reference. Uh, we certainly That's, appreciate I love that. it. I love it. That, I love that it's an yeah. I love that it's an acquisition too. It's an acquisition, um, and uh, Computronic sells today over seventy thousand products. So they're not gotcha. a small company. By the, the Zwati is what you're looking for. Is the Polish currency just? Oh, FYI. is that? Oh, yeah, there you go. Thank you very much for looking that up. Yeah. <laughs> I told you my to all our, our Polish listeners. I'm sorry, <laughs> I am ignorant beyond belief. I, I, but you know what's funny? Just real quickly, right above the news story, right above this, yeah, uh, Polish version of AOL launches in Poland. <laughs> AOL oh the map Sometimes location. the jokes write themselves. Folks. I know. <laughs> AOL had over 123 million hits in the U.S., making it the third most popular portal in the United there States we go. in 2007. What happened to AOL? Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. So where are you? What are you doing this week? You, you're just home with the family and doing oh, some New Year celebrating? I'll tell you what. I'm just enjoying the time with the kids. We've had a yeah. lot of time to, to hang out. It's been fantastic. We're going to do the same this week. We've got basketball games. There's certainly concerts, no football to watch. That's no for football sure. to watch. We're doing <laughs> we're doing things with the kids. Uh, we go out with some friends. We don't do the New Year's Eve thing. We do, I think I told you last year, yeah, we do New yeah. Year's Eve Eve. Uh, so we, we do we go out when nobody else is out. We absolutely love it. We've been doing it for the last many, many so years. It's such a great tradition. I love that. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah, don't let anybody else do it because we like we yeah, like being yeah. out there without. Uh, I think without you're pretty being safe, amateur yeah. night. How about yourself? You got any plans? Uh, it's going to be a quiet week, um, I'm assuming, and so get caught up on some work, get caught up on some writing, do a little more relaxing, and yeah, New Year's Eve for us is a quiet affair. We never got into the party thing, so we we usually just lay low, cook dinner, have a fire when it's cold enough, and and basically just you know. Do uh, do do some hanging out, yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be another quiet week. I'm really looking forward to it before things kick off in the new year. Well, here's to another fantastic year for the both absolutely. of us in 2016, absolutely. and and to all our listeners. Thank all you to for listeners. everything. It's yeah. been a wonderful, wonderful year. Absolutely. Well, that is it for episode 111 for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose signing off. And yes, please have yourself a safe, a happy, a wonderful new year and a joyous and abundant 2016. Tweet us up. Continue to tweet us up at hashtag this old marketing. Follow it if you want to hear what everybody's talking about with the show. And if you've got a question, you can also send an email, of course, to this old marketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode, number 111, do consider subscribing 
on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links that we talked about today will be available at thisoldmarketing.com on Saturday within the show itself on uh, Monday evening. And until then, everybody, have a wonderful New Year's Eve. And remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. show is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.